Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim. Today is episode 243 and we're going to be interviewing Tom. How you doing, Tom? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. So uh, you ready to do this? Yeah. All right, my friend. So let's start off like I always do. Tell me about your childhood and growing up. Um, childhood was pretty normal, pretty boring. I mean, not boring, but like that's the boring part of the story. Um, I never wanted for nothing. I was kind of spoiled. Uh, had vacations. Had an older brother, six years older than me. Uh, I kind of had everything laid out for me. So, what do you I mean, mean? I wish everything... I could, I wish I could I say everything laid out for you. I wish I could say I had like you know the illness ran rampant in my family, but I'm unfortunately the only one with the unlucky disease of uh, alcoholism or addiction or more or whatever you call it. So there was, you know, there was partying. It was, it was like a regular thing. My family would get together and drink, but um, I was the only one who was kind of obsessed with it and really infatuated with it from a young age, I guess. What do you mean by infatuated? I mean, I know what the word means, but what do I mean by what, what were some of the signs and symptoms of that infatuation? I know like people would kind of perk up when they were, drinking the stuff that the kids weren't allowed to drink. And I, you know, I was a little curious, like, you know, you were curious why they were acting differently. Yeah. I wanted to try it too as soon as possible. So, um, up until about like nine years old, everything was fine. Like, and then, uh, my dad split and, uh, my mom started hitting the bottle heavy. And to this day, she says she's not an alcoholic, but, and that's up to her to decide. <clears throat> she kind of, she kind of turned into a sloppy drunk a little. And uh, I was the one left home. My brother was out partying in his early high school years, age nine, seeing what the illness does to people. She's turned a corner since, but I, I kind of, turned into what you would call a, a lush right behind her for my own reasons. What was the first age you ever tried drinking? Um, it was after my brother's eighth grade graduation party. Um, they were, they rented out a hall in like a Knights of Columbus. And, uh, I saw there was like a, a keg tap and, uh, I started wheezing the juice like Encino Man. And uh, all the parents, my aunts and uncles, they were all appalled that, you know, I think I was like seven or eight at the time. And I was the one who, out of all my cousins, who was like, yeah, let's go see what this is all about. So I, I put my mouth under a keg tap and I, I opened it up and uh, I got yelled at for that. There was, there was plenty of other times around that age too when I was, you know, trying to sneak drinks. But when you did that the first time, did you get drunk? No, I'm not sure how much you drank of it. 
no, the first time I got drunk, it, it took about three times for me to actually like indulge like I wanted. And uh first time I got drunk was probably around 11. And so up until then, I was like sipping drinks, you know, just for the taste. So you actually enjoyed the taste? Yeah. I was, it was, you know, it was interesting to me. Yeah, I was an alcoholic and I hated the taste. Yeah, I think uh, my dad poured me a grasshopper. That's like What's a grasshopper. Julep. It's like mint julep. It's like a mint flavored liquor. It was around Christmas time when I was like eight or nine. And, uh, and he told me to sip it. And I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. And uh, I guess that uh, that that caught up to me by the time <laughs> I was my early my early teens, because uh, I played in ska bands, and with my older brother, six years older, I was already predisposed to like <clears throat> you know older friends, so I never had problems getting alcohol, but my you know my my motives were just like ridiculous by a young age like i was like i remember i was playing in bands and like my whole goal was like to hook up with a girl to play a music show and to get drunk in a night like there's just those three things and that would make a great night for me and that's where my head was at it wasn't at school you know where my grades were it was just like i was a party animal and uh slowly you know driving myself into the ground from a very young age. How'd you do in school? I could have done a lot better, but I was always uh, skating by, just doing the bare minimum. Um, I hated math. Oh, me too. I hated math with a flaming passion. I, <laughs> I said to myself, I don't know what I'm going to do when my daughter grows up and she's got like complicated math problems. And she's like, dad, can you help me? I'm going to help her. Yeah. My two kids are just getting into fractions now. And I, I want to help, but I, I need to brush up on it. I'm a, I'm not too much of a, you know, natural when it comes to that. My son's good with it. My daughter's not. Yeah, I remember that. I used to get in trouble, and I just wouldn't pay attention. I'd be reading a book or something or sleeping. I hated that class. So did your drinking have anything to do with your – did it impact your school life? Uh, yeah. It was kind of around 13 years old. I started getting in all types of trouble. The cops. And when you're that young, the cops can't really lock you up. They just give you a warning, you know? But I remember I went over to our drummer's house and I had four shots of VO whiskey, which is a little different than, you know, drinking four Budweiser's and getting a buzz on. And I was puking all over the place. I remember he was making out with his girlfriend on the bottom bunk of his bed and he had bunk beds and I, I was on the top bunk. And I started puking all against the wall. 
while they were on the bottom bunk and it's and i thought it was the funniest thing in the world because i ruined their whole you know makeout session and uh <clears throat> i ended up blacking out my friend walked me home and uh my parents made a missing persons report on me because i didn't come home i was i was laid out in my bed so the next day after bringing me to the police station and uh confirming my whereabouts i uh i had to go to school with a obnoxious hangover i remember throwing up green in the toilet and uh and going to homeroom and everybody seemed to be mad at me because i was acting a fool the night before this was during like a midterms or finals time where we had half days of school so we just decided to go drink VO whiskey and watch Jerry Springer after our finals and it, it got a little out of control they, they were looking for me at basketball practice like the cops showed up at basketball practice and I wasn't there because I was laid out in my bed and uh, everybody already knew what happened to me Tommy drank too much last night so uh, yeah I just started getting in all types of trouble my parents started grounding me relentlessly but um, I don't know I guess music carried me through high school then I got into dry goods you got what the dry goods yeah, I got in uh, smoking weed every day with my friends after school, which was never really my thing. I like drinking a lot more. But um, I still did it every day just to fit in, you know, just to go on a ride with my friends and listen to music after school. Sometimes I ended up having like panic attacks and stuff. But um, I thought it was just what everybody did, make it more exciting. And, uh, my grades suffered because of it. I was also put on Adderall when I was like seven or eight because of grades and my failure to focus. Wow, that's young. I, yeah. And I, I stayed on it all through high school. So it got pretty messy. How so? Um, I was probably self-medicating before I realized it, you know? Like trying to take an uppers that I was prescribed and then trying to, you know, counteract it with booze and then sedatives. And I mean, I, I never got into like Xanax or anything. <clears throat> But as soon as opiates came around, I mean, I, I, I wasn't afraid of it. I and mean, I was, you know, I, I picked up, I picked up a habit for a, a couple of years. I was willing to take anything through. I mean, but Xanax, I never really saw the point of it because you couldn't remember the next day. Yeah, I mean, opiates so also. Got out of 
Well, we're having like graduated high school. Yeah, we're having a connection issue. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear oh, you. There you are. You're back. Um. So, um, what year did you, not you, I'm sorry, when did you graduate high school? Uh, 2005. I ended up staying back my senior year due to booze because, um, I used to drink and go to class, like not regularly, but it was, it happened a few times. And, uh, I mean, my eighth grade promotion or graduation, I had slaughtered like two forties before we, we went and did that. And I, I, like to this day, I'm still impressed with myself. Like, I don't know how I did that because I was so young and, um, I don't know. It got ugly when I found out I wasn't walking with my graduating class. I got into an argument with my dad and it got physical. The cops were called. And I ended up doing two months in county instead of graduating with my graduating class that I, I grew up with. What were you charged with? Assault on my dad. And it was all because of booze. Because I was, you know, I was all tuned up and, uh, you know, words started flying and I ended up headbutting him. And then I ended up headbutting the cop, but oh shit, I was lucky. I got, I got away with, you know, I was a different person when I was drinking by then. So, and I was just the last to see it. So alcohol was your favorite drug? Yeah, it's safe to say. Yeah. I only took opiates so that I would drink more like a gentleman because it would make me nauseous if I got too crazy on opiates, you know? And uh, I don't know if anyone else could relate with that, but I've met a few that can. That's the only reason I ever resorted to like putting a needle in my arm. And, uh, Jesus, this is going to be on YouTube. Yeah, it's going to be on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm painting a picture. My life seems like that movie Train Spotting now. But, uh, yeah, after my first jail stint, I put, like, I put some significant time together. I even quit smoking cigarettes for a little while, about 18 years old. In hindsight, I should have joined the Navy or something at that point. But um, since then, that's that was my introduction to the program. And uh, that was 20 years ago. I'm 36 now. So you said, what were you shooting up, uh, painkillers? That wasn't until I was like 27. But I was sniffing 
whatever you threw at me, like morphine. My friend's mom was dying of cancer. And I mean, it's not, I will, it, it's not past me. I mean, he, he stole a few and we all decided to mess around with it at a friend's house on the weekends. And it felt like you were on a cloud, you know? So that, that was a different, that was a different high and a different love altogether. Sounds disgusting someone who can't understand it but it still looks like cupcakes to me like i'm yeah. seven years away from opiates and if you put it in front of me i'm like i don't know for for the life of me i don't know why but it still seems appealing because i know where it takes me it's just i mean temporarily until it gets ugly and you're dependent on it no, I understand where you're coming from. I used to love painkillers. I used to love Oxycontin. Is that what you were taking yeah. mostly? No, I was. Uh, I ended up getting um, real heroin, and uh, getting Why a pretty did you bad. Why the switch? Because it was cheaper, you know. Yeah, I mean, it started when I was in school for HVAC me and one of my cousins um, we started messing with Roxy's and they were like $30 a pill which is ridiculous now that I look at it and I was doing that like three times a week which was starting to add up so I just decided why not do the other stuff, you know? I mean, I never sold myself for it, but I wasted a, a shit ton of money on it. And uh, things got out of control yet again from another substance. What substance was it this time? With the uh, opiates. Oh, with the opiates. Okay, I thought you were talking about something else. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's such a dangerous drug. Problem is also, it's actually very useful if you're using it for the right reasons. It's a slippery slope with that drug. I went to a meeting last night. Some guy said, what's the difference between an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic? An alcoholic can't drink. And it's as simple as that. Like can't use you can't drink I and mean, if people have like an ailment or pain to kill i guess opiates are the way to go but like i don't see how you're not going to abuse it with the way i'm wired you know i've come to that acceptance like it's just all or nothing you know yeah the one thing i've also noticed in my interviews is a lot of addicts there's certain things where if it's not their thing, they can do it. Like, they don't get addicted. Like, there's a guy, Stephen Levine, and he's Noah Levine's father, who's like a, a, a Buddhist author. And he used to be a heroin addict. But now he's. Noah Levine? You talking was, about Dharma Punks? Yeah. I interviewed yeah, him. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's a good book. Yeah. So his dad um, was a heroin addict. And he says every now and then he'll have like a glass of wine. But, yeah, I can see know, that. 
it's weird. It's, 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 and that's the thing about it. It's controversial and it's everyone's got their own opinion on it. I mean, maybe I could take a Xanax in like a social situation, but like I'm better off just, you know, it's like, you know, it's not really going to do that much for me because it's not my thing. You know, I wish yeah. I could have a glass of wine. I'm probably going to want to drink for the rest of my life. Or I'm, I know I'm going to want to drink for the rest of my life. But I, you know, I'm, I'm just old enough where I'm tired and I'm, I got three DUIs and lost jobs and girls and friends. And it's just out of control. How did you lose your girlfriend and your friends? What kind of stuff were you doing? You're stealing from them? Um, I wasn't too much of a thief, you know, I always like thing when I started doing opiates, I was working three jobs like immediately, which is amazing. Like I, I couldn't do that with any other drug, but with alcohol, I mean, yeah, I would like, I would tell a girlfriend that I was like buying cigarettes and go buy a fifth of or go buy a half pint of vodka or something like that. Just like really skeezy, you know, slimy bullshit. And everybody would be mad at me over, uh, you know, the way I used people. I, I would end up using people and not even realizing it because I was sick. Like I, I was the kind of drunk that would sit outside the liquor store before it opens, not even wanting to drink, but knowing that if I don't drink, I'm going to be sick. You know? That's why I brought myself. Shakes and... No, keep going. Yeah, you know, delirium tremors and shakes. and I don't know if I ever had a seizure, but I'm pretty sure I came close. I've been in the countless detoxes. I'm, I'm what kind happens, of... real quick, what happens when you get the delirium tremors? What, what, what actually physically happens to you? like cold sweats and um it's kind of like uh just what it sounds like you know you're delirious and your body's kind of like fighting against you you're like it's like the worst hangover you could ever have So at what point in your life did you recognize that you had a problem and that you needed to get better? Um, a little bit before I got into that altercation with my, my dad, I, uh, I had a friend who grew up with my brother and they, uh, he invited me to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And I kind of went out of like, you know, just to be polite not out of curiosity and i got drunk that night i mean i thought it was cool what he was showing me there was a different walk of life but like i mean that that was probably the first signal that you know something was wrong and somebody else is like dude you don't look so good maybe you belong with me in these meetings that i go to would you be willing to check it out 
And uh, then when I landed myself in jail for the first time, I spent my first, my 18th birthday there, or my 19th birthday there, scared shitless. That, that was, uh, you know, irrefutable evidence that I, you know, I'm, I'm a pickle and, uh, probably better off staying away. That was 18, 19 years old. I had already had one DUI, I think. By then. Or no, I got pulled over weed. I got a I got a drug charge. Put my pants through all all hell. And LBI. So how um how did you actually get sober? What'd you do? I put like two years things together here and there. I mean it's 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 been treacherous. It's like, like yeah, I had my dad died when I was twenty five and I ended up having two kids with this girl I went to high school with who I was nuts about. But throughout my kids' lives I I was going in and out of jails and institutions and halfway houses. I mean, they never hurt, but, um, I was always, I was always hiding something, you know, like smoking weed on the side and considering it not a drug. And, uh, I finally got into this after like my fifth or sixth jail stint. I got into this halfway house, which was a sober living house. It wasn't an Oxford house. And by then that would be my third halfway house because every time I went to jail, I would end up trying or a rehab or a detox. I would try to get into a halfway house and separate myself from the illness because my mom drinks and I live with my mom, 36 years old, but you know, having it in a house used to be a real trigger for me. Now it doesn't bother me at all. It pretty much is what it is. But I finally got into, you know, every time I got into a halfway house, I put significant amount of time together. And uh, that was until me and my kid's mom split up. Because going the back and forth is just too much. We ended on mutual terms. Um, she's with one of my old supervisors now. But uh, this time, because of uh, you know coming to grips with my reality, it's like I'm finding myself in more like detox settings. Like, you know, like on the verge of like having a heart attack or like, a you know, and crippling anxiety. Like I, I couldn't even make it through a work day 
I have to call home. I have to call out sick or go home early because, uh, you know, the DTs were getting too bad. And uh, I ended up going to two detoxes, like one after the other. And um, like all, all these rehabs, like Endeavor House, Carrier Clinic, I've been to all of them at least once. But uh, this time, I was uh, I was messing with like all of the above. I was pissed off that you know my family fell apart, and uh, I checked myself into a detox. I got. I found the greatest sponsor in the world. We used to, we used to go to bars together and it's funny how things end up, but this kid, he doesn't tell me to go, you know, kick rocks. He's patient with me. He's around my age and he's got more time. He's got great sobriety. Uh, it was suggested that I get into a detox. I checked myself into a hospital tell them I have suicidal ideation and that worked I was away for about three days and it turned out that someone I had words with who uh, I grew up with one of my childhood friends ended up hanging himself this last time around so I was in the detox three days sober you know coming out of the fog and I got a, a phone call on a payphone let me know that, you know, my best friend had killed himself. And I, he had his own thing going on. He, you know, he had his own battle. But I just didn't like the way, you know, things were left. And if I weren't drinking like a savage, you know, maybe I would have been able to see him off a little more appropriately, you know. So, it's been easy for me not to drink this time around, you know, doing dry goods and other stuff like that. It's still a struggle. The idea still creeps in my head, but I just got a year sober away from the drink on March 6th. And Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So let me ask you one last question. Do you have any advice for people watching and listening? Be honest with yourself, I guess. And uh, you know yourself better than anyone else. I mean, that's, that's the best advice I could have heard I mean uh, it was it was a real it was a real rodeo you know being told to do this and do that and taking suggestions from a million different people and finding dead ends and ending up just getting getting drunk again or getting high again um 
but you know, the one day at a time, all those slogans mean something. And um, if you get out of your own way and give yourself a chance, I mean, sky's the limit. It only gets better. So, yeah, I think it's a good place to start wrapping it up. How do you feel? You enjoy today? Yeah, this is fun. Wasn't so bad, right? No, I was a little nervous, but it's, uh, I think I had to do this. Yeah, it feels good to tell your story and it also helps others. So it's a, you know, double edged sword there. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. No problem, my friend. It was a pleasure. Did you have anything else that you want to throw in before we go? No, buddy. All right, my friend, sit tight for me. And for everyone watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, Instagram. You name it, we're on it. We also suggest checking out the website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you find plenty of free resources as well as free literature. I also suggest listening for our new upcoming book. We're going to be having that out hopefully by the end of March, beginning of April. So I'll keep you posted as far as that goes. So I hope you enjoy today and until next time.